Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. That's right, it's my favorite day of the week. I get to sit here with my friends and eat good food and talk about a great God. Welcome to the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Hi there, I'm Deacon Jeff, your host, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Thomas P. Dorian. All right. Tom, what's that P stand for? Patrick. I figured you for a, a Phineas or a Petulia. <laughs> Thank you, Deacon Jeff. <laughs> well, so obviously, uh, Thomas Patrick, uh, we've got a great topic today. We do. Yes, we do. Uh, the topic we're going to cover is our responsibility to evangelize. All right. To spread the gospel message. And, uh, you know, a lot of people might just take that for granted that that's part of being a Christian. But when you look around the world today, you might find it a bit difficult to uh, to see that it's going on. So you might wonder to yourself, am I really doing my job of evangelizing? You probably know, what, not. Pro- well, you know, that's, a, that's always a good guess when you look at the world today. But we want to figure out what we need to do. Are we, are we evangelizing like Christ intended? And if we're not, what are we doing wrong? Mm-hmm. So we have this challenging topic, but good thing is we have a challenging guest as well. I think that's great. Well, I don't know if that was a compliment or not. And our guest is smiling. Hopefully he's happy. He's a good friend to both of us. Uh, and we'll cover that a bit later. But um, he sells fancy garage doors to businesses. And that's why I thought he was infinitely qualified as a guest today <laughs> on our on our show. That's a prerequisite. That's right. So let's welcome Mark Underwood to the show. Hello, Mark. Welcome to the luxurious corner booth. Deacon Jeff, it's good to be here. I've heard of this luxurious booth for weeks now. And it's it's just it's great to be here. Are you comfy? Because we want to make sure you're comfortable. The banana nut bread is phenomenal. Did you notice when you came in there was a little arm wrestling match going on up front? Who was that? Those were the waitresses. I don't know if you guys have ever noticed it, but we are big tippers <laughs> in this booth. And they are trying to jockey for the waitress for today. And today the winner is Lindsay. Isn't that great? Lindsay's our waitress. Well, she must yeah. be strong. She is strong. <laughs> Good. She's going to have to carry a lot of food and uh, beverage here. So, uh, Mark... I'll tell you what, we're talking about evangelization, but I think before we get to that particular part of the topic, I wonder if it would be a good idea for our listeners if you could just tell us a little bit about your your personal story, your personal journey, and basically how you got to be where you are today. Deacon Jeff, I'd be happy to. Um, I grew up in the Northeast. I grew up in, uh, in Boston. I lived there until I was in the fourth grade. Then I moved to White Plains, New York. I went to Catholic grade schools, I went to Catholic high school, and basically I learned Catholicism from the neck up. I learned, uh, I learned, I learned enough about Catholicism to pass the test for the next Friday. Uh, the problem with that, though, nothing really sunk in. I knew how to be Catholic, I just didn't know how to feel Catholic, I didn't know how to do Catholic. Later on in my life, um, alcohol played a factor. And what, I, what happened in my life was the fact that as my alcoholism got the best of me, I started going down the tubes, I grabbed onto AA. And it seemed to, AA improved my life in virtually every respect with one notable exception. And that was my Catholicism. And in going back over the years, I realized that I, I never really grasped that relationship with Jesus. What happened in my case was that I felt like I was becoming more and more of a hypocrite. And I had a child late in life, 
and I got to the point that I resented going to Mass. And the only reason I really wanted to go to Mass anymore, the only reason I wanted to even show in any respect that I was a Catholic, was for her benefit. I had lost all touch with being a Catholic. I had lost all touch of reality with what that meant in my life. But you were still going to Mass, were you not? I mean, you still considered yourself a Catholic. Oh, I was. I mean, even in the uh, even in the drunk days, I'd, I'd go hungover, but I'd, I'd, I'd be there. I was going to follow the rules. Let's talk about that for a second. Let's go back to that, okay. th- that early part. And you're, you're talking about being born and raised Catholic from the head up, as you said it. Obviously, yes. it wasn't in the heart. It wasn't. No, why was that? Is there any reason why that happened for you? Was it uh, lack of education? Was it uh, was it you, Mark? I mean, was it uh, the church? What were the problems? You think? You know, it, in the in the end result, it was me. I can't. I'd, I'd love to be able to blame it on somebody else, but I can't. My parents were Catholic. They're Catholic to this day, and they it, it it's a great part of their lives. Um, in my case, going to school. Seeing other Catholics, seeing how life life evolved, it seemed that to know Catholicism was was good, but in reality, in the in the real world, it seemed that what happened was that being Catholic meant virtually nothing, at least to me. The decisions that were made, what kind of job was I going to get, how was I going to live my life, did Catholicism really make any difference when I dated? Did Catholicism really make any difference to me when I decided what kind of occupation I was going to get into? And the answer to that was really no, it didn't. That's not the way I should have been a Catholic, but that's the way that my Catholicism evolved. I didn't do the things I needed to do. Now, you mentioned and you had a particular problem with alcohol, uh, and now you've been, uh, you've been sober for how long now? It's been 17 years. 17 years. Well, that's wonderful. And I know you're not there yet. Uh, you'll admit that you need every day to continue to re- uh, commit yourself to that is right that one day at a time is more than a slogan exactly right well wonderful so now but you wouldn't think that your did your alcoholism maybe did it come out of that lack of religious experience or were they totally separated or maybe did the fact that you didn't have a good religious basis exacerbate the problem when the when the alcohol came along um i had problems with alcohol from the get-go so, I, you know, here again, it would be nice to be able to blame somebody or blame something, but I think I need to shoulder the responsibility for that. Well, I just bring it up because I know there are a lot of folks out there who are listening. Some of them may have a problem right now with alcohol, and some of them may have a problem with other demons. They may have a problem with, uh, with Internet pornography. They may have a problem with uh, smoking or food or, or any number of things. And I just want to try to get a handle on what it is that is missing in their lives, and perhaps maybe that there are some answers to the to to what's not there. For me, the answer to that question was pointed out by a priest. What happened was that as as I grew in sobriety and as as relationships improved, the the Catholicism aspect, my religious aspect, it became like a gaping hole. Like, what's wrong here? Why is my life improving? in every aspect possible, with the exception of my religion. So how did this change for you? I mean, there's got, there's got to be a happy ending here somewhere. Oh, there is. There is. In my case, what happened was the fact that I actually approached a priest at a party. And who was that? That was Father Knight. Father David Knight, who's a priest for the Diocese yes, of Memphis. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. He, w- he did a baptism, and I just wasn't in the mood to be at the baptism that Sunday. <laughs> I was so tired of... Well, I, I, I was just tired of being at Mass. I was tired of going through the motions without any, any results, any benefits. 
that I, uh, I expressed this opinion to Father Knight in, in sort of blunt terms. And he, he told me that, well, you know, maybe, uh, maybe here at this party is not the best way to do this. Why don't you meet with me later on this week? I did that. I actually drove to a monastery up in Fraser, and I sat down with him and talked, and he let me go. And I went on a little, uh, probably about a 45-minute rampage as to why I thought Catholicism was meaningless. And I use the word meaningless a lot. And he let me go. He let me talk. At the end of my 45-minute semi-tirade, he said, what you've been trying to do is impossible. You can't be a Catholic from the neck up. That scared me. No one had ever spoken to me like that. No one had ever told me that it, it simply couldn't be done that way. I was simply given a list of instructions to do. If I did them, then I did it. If, you, if you're supposed to be at Mass on Sunday, that's what I did. Well, obviously, those are very wise words because those... All the time, you know, Catholics get accused of, you know, that we work our way into heaven, that we go through this laundry list of things and we just check them off. And there are seven sacraments, and if you can get like four or more, you go to heaven, which, of course, is not what the church teaches. No. In fact, the second part of what he told me was the important part, and it addresses just what you were, t- you were speaking about right here. He asked me, how would you like to live your Catholic life to the full? And he specifically used the word meaningless. He said, how would you like to get rid of your meaninglessness and your mediocrity? That stunned me. At that point, I just uh, I went to pieces. No one had ever explained Catholic like that. No one had ever told me that I could live my Catholic life to the full. He had your attention, didn't he? Oh, he, he had more than my attention, Tom. At that point, he, he had my emotions. He had my intensity. I, I just couldn't believe it. So let's fast forward. So now you've uh, obviously that started something, a little firestorm going in uh, Mark's heart, and, I, and, and some Catholic stuff sort of started to seep its way uh, down uh, into your heart. And, you know, at what point did you realize that maybe God had something bigger in store for you? You know, I didn't have a burning bush moment. Or if I did, I guess it was probably that afternoon with Father Knight. But from that point, I got to actually read and learn more about my religion. And this time around, it was for more than just to pass the test on Friday. This time it meant something. I started simple, and it it opened my eyes. And I began to realize that I could actually live a life of Catholicism, not just learn it to pass the test back in the grade school days. And it, uh, oh, it it may sound hokey here, but it, it just, it freed me. It just freed me up. I didn't have to live my religion as a set of rules. I could live my religion as a, as a way to get this life to the full that Father Knight talked about. Well, wonderful. So now you're talking about living a life yes, uh, versus marking squares uh, in life. And I think that's awesome. Uh, and so we want to talk more about that because I think that we're going to take this from the personal journey of Mark Underwood to the sort of more public or evangelizing journey of Mark Underwood. In other words, that there's something besides just your personal experience here uh, that it's going to lead us into something bigger and better. But before we do that, I wanted to remind everyone about the website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. This is where you can find a wealth of information, including the MP3s of this and other shows. We've had lots of folks downloading, uh, and we've had over, uh, I don't know, forty to 50,000 people sign up for the podcasting. We're very excited about that. There are also lots of uh, links to other great Catholic resources on the web. Also, I'd love to hear from you myself. I'd like you to send me an email at deaconjeff at the Catholic Cafe. So hang on to the other side of the break, and we'll cover more on evangelization with our good friend Mark Underwood. We will be right back. I'm Bess Drzemski, and this is another great moment in church history. 
Born in England in the late 7th century, a man named Winfrith felt called to the monastic life and joined the Benedictines at an early age. It was not long before he flourished in the faith and became recognized as a powerful conduit for the Holy Spirit to all those he encountered. Tradition tells us that the Pope himself changed Winfrith's name to Boniface, a name that means good fortune. St. Boniface was very well thought of in the Catholic Church in England and would have most definitely excelled there, but he felt a burning desire to carry the gospel message to those who were not yet Christians. He focused his attention on continental Europe, where a colorful array of pagan religions was beginning to take root. With an evangelistic zeal, he crossed the seas and found himself settled in Germany, where he went to work straight away sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. One story is told of how St. Boniface had become so distressed by the pagan worship of trees in Germany that he decided to go to the public square and cut down a giant oak tree dedicated to the god Thor. The townspeople looked on in horror, fully expecting Thor to avenge the horrid deed and punish St. Boniface. But nothing happened. They became convinced that the god of St. Boniface, the god of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, was the one true god. Many were converted to Christianity because of this one simple act on the part of St. Boniface. As St. Boniface entered his 80s, he resigned all his positions of leadership and once again went back to his roots of the simple missionary life. Though he was advanced in years, he was still a compelling force for the church. He converted many to Catholicism, but at the same time made his enemies all the more jealous of his successes for God. In 754, St. Boniface and 53 of his followers were murdered by a band of pagans determined to stop the continuing spread of Catholicism. Without any resistance whatsoever, they quietly laid down their lives for Christ and his church. St. Boniface was lovingly referred to as the Apostle of the Germans. Recalling the years that St. Boniface worked in Germany, a well-known German church historian stated, To us, this was a period of light, when the light of the gospel and of Christian civilization came to us. The feast day of St. Boniface is celebrated by the Universal Church on June 4th. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff here with Tom Dorian and, of course, Mark Underwood. So, Mark, when we last left your story, you were all fired up and ready to go knocking on doors for Jesus, were you not? I was. <laughs> and, uh, and you got involved in a little thing called Curcio, and so that's what we want to talk about now. What, what in a nutshell, what is a Curcio? Curcio is a way to get the average Catholic more involved in, in evangelization. It's, to, it, it's a way to get them out of the pew and into doing what the Lord wants us to do. So it's about evangelization. Um, now, obviously, the word might throw people off. Curcio, that's just a Spanish word, meaning it short. It means short course. Short course. And so this is a short course in Christianity. It is. And it was started in Spain in the 40s, so that's where we get the Curcio. It's what's so called the Curcio movement. Uh, Curcio, in my case, was something that my parents had done back in the 80s. And, oh, they told me about it. They told me it was great, and I, I blew them off. I didn't want to hear about that. <laughs> and then when I got to the point that I wanted to actually live my Catholicism, I didn't want to have this to be a, uh, a study thing anymore. I wanted to get, it, I wanted to get that relationship. 
that Father Knight had talked about. And just from the brief time that I had been with him and realized that the relationship was what made my religion so important, Curcio, there was a guy named Dave Heitzusen, and he approached me in the parking lot at church. And for all the wrong reasons, I said yes. He came up to me. He had made a Curcio weekend, and he wanted me to make a Curcio weekend as well, and he asked me. And I just simply said yes. It was primarily to get him off me so no one would ever have to ask me again to do this weekend. <laughs> it was the wrong reasons for accepting the, the invitation, but I'll tell you what, it was, it was one of the best weekends of my life. Well, let's talk about one of the key components of, of the Curcio movement, and that is evangelization. And more specifically, they talk about evangelization of your environments. Uh, what does that mean exactly? It, it means, first off, through the weekend, you, you focus on things called piety, study, and action. I need to get my relationship right with Jesus. And I know that that, that sometimes kind of gets people a little nervous when you talk about that. But it truly made my Catholicism what it is today. From that point, you start to approach others. And you have to, you have to be authentic. You have to really feel down deep that you have a, a strong relationship with Jesus. It's a a relatively intense weekend, but it's one of the most rewarding, one of the most fulfilling weekends as a Catholic that I have ever done. So it does involve a three-day weekend, but it's not a three-day retreat, right? It's it's sort of a life-changing experience. It is. It it is. In fact, uh, Curcio kind of stresses the fact that they are not a retreat. Uh, It's it's a method. It's it's a way of life. Right, and 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 that three-day experience is really just uh, setting up for the most important part, which is that fourth day, which is the rest of your life. Exactly. The fourth day is, is the most important day. But the three-day period prior, it, it opens your mind, it opens your heart. And for, for a Catholic guy in his, in his early 50s to talk about opening your heart to Jesus, when not, most of my life I was very content to sit in that pew. When they stood, I stood. When they knelt, I knelt. That was, that was my Catholicism. Uh, and to open up and to, and to realize that, that so much more is asked of me. You talk about getting rid of that, that meaninglessness and the mediocrity. Curcio just crushes meaninglessness and mediocrity for a Catholic. So piety is really that sort of religious aspect, that uh, the prayer, all that is holy, bringing that into your life, opening yourself up to that through devotions and prayer, uh, through the liturgies. Uh, reception of communion, uh, confession, all of those sacramental aspects, that's the piety, right? Deacon Jeff, exactly. What's important to you? What's not important? What do you spend your time on? Time, to me, has become increasingly more important. Uh, maybe it's because I'm getting older. I don't know. But what what is important for today to accomplish? How do I do that? Do I give enough honor to the Lord? If I do, do I do that in a way that you don't want to be flashy and show others but you really want to draw people. It's not really uh, something to do with, with promotion. It's something more to do with attraction. So the second aspect is, uh, is study. And so how, how does that fit into the big picture? I have to ask myself, why am I Catholic? Why do I want to be Catholic? If I don't know the answers to that, I really can't show piety, and I really can't act in a Christian manner. I've got to know what it is. What does Jesus want of me? And so study obviously involves just sort of delving into the written word into scripture, reading as much material as you can read about your Catholic life, and then taking that and making that part of your life. The, the two things I do as far as study, I do a daily reading. I, I read the, the gospel reading every day, and I read a commentary on it, a lectionary reading. I also joined a Bible study, and that was, that was something Father Knight pushed on me again. And he said, primarily, Mark, you've gone to Mass every Sunday. 
But since high school, you've really never studied the Gospels. You've never really studied the Old Testament, the New Testament. What do you think you really know about being Catholic? And when he, he sort of painted me in a corner, and I had to admit, you know, I, uh, I really don't. And he described that kind of Catholic education as a bunch of Polaroid pictures in a shoebox. And he said, why, why do you think you know anything about Catholicism if all you've got are just a, a conglomeration of unconnected snapshots? If you do a Bible study, you can read a book at a time. You can understand a lot more. It makes it much more meaningful. And, of course, you've taken the piety and the study. You've, you've made them part of you, enveloping you. It's, you're so much more eminently qualified now to, to take action on that, to live a Catholic life, to live a Christian life. And then to evangelize. You know, Deacon Jeff, when you call me eminently qualified, that scares me a little bit. <laughs> but as far, as far as where I was and where I am now, yeah, it, it is a journey. And I, I think I'm, uh, I'm a little bit better off now than I was as far as knowing my Catholic religion. Eminently qualified, I'm not so sure about that. But as far as, as, far as living my religion and trying to show others the, the benefits, the, the, the way that it is meaningful now, the way that you can live life to the full. If, that, if I take that to heart, I, I've got to do something to show this. Well, by being baptized and being one of the chosen, you are eminently qualified. I mean, we, you know, we've heard that old expression, God does not call the qualified, he qualifies the called. You know, and so he's going to give you everything that you need. He's going to arm you with what you need to go out and spread his gospel. So that's that's what I mean. It doesn't mean you have to know everything, but it means you do have to be open to learning and knowing everything. Mm-hmm. O- open to learning is the key. And, uh, you know, I think I'm one of those examples. If it can work for me, I think it can work for others, too. <laughs> well, I'm going to go ahead and fess up and tell everybody at home, all seven of the people listening, uh, that – that we, uh, we all three know each other, that Mark and Tom and I uh, know each other very well, and we know each other through the Curcio movement, that we've all been through the Curcio. It's had a profound effect on each of our lives. And one of the cool things about that Curcio movement is a thing called an accountability group that we come together and we meet every Thursday at a restaurant in, in Memphis, uh, you know, come rain or shine, unless it's a holy day of obligation and we're supposed to be in Mass, we meet at this <laughs> particular location. Uh, and uh, we've been doing so for, Tom and I have been meeting for, I guess, about 12 years now. Absolutely. So tell us what an accountability group is and, and what it means to you, Mark. Well, the way I got involved in this group was, was Tom. And uh, Tom called me and asked me to show up. And Tom, uh, we have you to blame for this. Oh, man, that's, <laughs> that's terrible. And I didn't show up the first time, and Tom Tom called until I came. <laughs> Tom is very consistent, and a persistent maybe too. Uh, but I'll, I'll tell you what. And then he told me, uh, Mark, we meet from uh, from nine o'clock in the evening, and sometimes it'll go as late as midnight. And I thought, there's just no way. I am not going to spend three hours sitting around with a bunch of guys doing this kind of stuff. And I I came, and I'll tell you what the to to see. And I know I use this line a lot, but to see a group of Catholic guys enjoying being Catholic, that was such a foreign concept for me. I just I couldn't believe it. I kept on coming back for the first couple times just to see if, if maybe they were faking it. Maybe when I walked in, they started <laughs> laughing and enjoying it, and then they just all left when I, when I went. I couldn't believe that guys really from – there's guys from different walks of life, different ages. We get together, and you can see some guys having great weeks, some guys having bad weeks. 
Um, one of my all-time favorite stories was involving you, Tom, and it was when you were having one of the worst weeks, and your decision, you made the decision to pray, and you said you were going to work in your yard all day, and you were going to pray, but you were going to get this resolved. The next Thursday, I asked you how your life was, and you simply smiled, and you said it was great. I just, in, in my life, for most of my life, I have never seen guys address problems like that. That was, uh, you know, we used the word Catholic one more time. It was an intensely Catholic way to handle a problem. It was beautiful. And I've just, I'm not, I haven't been around guys that, that handle their situations in ways like that long enough. It's something I need to see more of. And to see that example, that was huge. And this is also evangelizing. We're evangelizing our environments. Our environments are, you know, it's our home. It's our work. We're taking Christ to each of those places. And then all the places where we experience leisure, you know. And then, of course, in these accountability groups, we're holding each other accountable. We're right. finding out, well, what did you do this week? What didn't you do? And we bring all that stuff and we lay it out on the table. Each guy gets his turn. Uh, and everyone, you know, is allowed to to comment, sometimes positively, sometimes negatively. <laughs> but the point is we're, he- we're held accountable to our actions. You know, and it's a good thing. It's a good trial for us to be held accountable here on earth before we're held accountable uh, at final judgment. I think we'd we'd all much rather hold each other accountable first to kind of test the waters a little bit and see what it is that we have to do, what we need to improve on so that we can better our relationship with Christ and also to bring other folks to Christ, which is the make a friend, be a friend, and bring a friend to Christ. Exactly. To me, it's been like a roadmap. You really see where you're at and you see where you need to be. It, it gives you guidance, and it does. It, it, it brings your life into, into a more full aspect. You enjoy it more. And I think that it's not just simply an accumulation of points for heaven. You've, you've got to get something out of it here on earth. And to enjoy your life, to, to, to feel the, the fact that, you know what, my life is full now. Uh, it wasn't for a, for a number of years. It was empty. There were, there were lots of little fleeting you know, blips on the screen of happiness. Nothing like what I'm feeling right now. Mark, thanks so much for sharing with us today. You've you've got a great personal story, and I know that God has so much more planned for you. So I guess look out. Hey, with this banana <laughs> nut bread as good as it is, I hope I'm invited back. <laughs> we can have some more after we get off the air. But uh, we do also want to thank you for uh, talking about the challenges that evangelization uh, have in store for us. And, of course, that Curcio movement that you mentioned. So we want you to come back and join us again, will you? It would be my pleasure. Uh, let's end this show, as we always do, in prayer. Heavenly Father, you call each one of us by name and ask us to follow your way. But you also ask us to bring a friend along so that they might know the joy of loving you and living with you eternally. Give us daily all that we need to share your gospel message with those we encounter. We ask you to grant this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. for listening to the catholic cafe if you'd like to contact deacon jeff send an email to deacon jeff at thecatholiccafe.com the catholic cafe is brought to you by the order of malta federal association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from j terry stive bishop of memphis in tennessee join us again at the catholic cafe there's always room for one more at our table